Say it after me. This is who we are. This is what we do. Amen. So the beginning of this month, we talked about identity in Christ. The next week, we talked about being excellent in the Holy Spirit, right? Because this is who we are, and this is what we do. Last week, Pastor Manning did a wonderful job talking on you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is who you are. Amen. This is what we do. So today I'm talking to you about being a child of God. And children of God love the word of God. You can celebrate that. Come on now. We love the word of God. Because this is food to us. This is revelation to us. This is power and authority over the devil, over sin. This is faith. This is hope. This is a sure foundation, amen. So you are children of God and children of God love the words of their father. They love the word of God. This is how we grow up into maturity as children of God. Get your Bible if you have your Bible. Just hold it in your hands. You can just cuddle it for a minute. <laughs> you may have a digital phone or something you use, but I just, this church, Calvary, this is who we are. We are lovers of the word of God. These are not coffee table decorations to us. These are not coasters to put your glass on or your mug on at home. Come on now. This isn't about having a perfectly beautiful Bible. Not here at Calvary. Our Bibles are full of underlines and highlights. Our Bibles are full of things that God is speaking to us. We go through new Bibles because they all fall apart. Amen. Because we've been using our Bibles here in Calvary. That is who we are. This is what we do. Come on. Say amen. Come on. This is we love the word of God. We love the Word of God. We give you free Bibles every week. If you don't have one, there's tables with Bibles on it. There's notebooks. We're taking notes because we come to church and we want to hear the Word of God. We don't want to just hear cute stories or opinions from people. Tell us the Word of God. Show us the Word of God. Show it in Scripture two, three, four times. Give us Word because Word grows our spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? Not that there's anything wrong with cute stories. I've got a bunch of cute stories. But we know we build our life based on the word. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind to the word of God. And so I want to encourage us as a church. And the reason I bring this up and I kind of want to build your faith in this is you are able to understand the word of God. I break a lie off your life right now in Jesus' name if for some reason you believe it's too complicated for you. That other people always have to read it for you and tell you what it says. No, my friend. You can read the word. You can understand the word. God will speak to you through his word. Come on now. God will give you eyes to see and ears to hear. You have a helper and he's the Holy Spirit. And he's here to help you, teach you, and to guide you and to explain it to you. Come on. You got to believe this. Because if you, some people are intimidated by their Bible and they leave it in the, on the counter because it's unfamiliar to them. It's uncomfortable to them. But anything that's new is uncomfortable. And so you have to just pick it up and start disciplining yourself to begin to read it. Read it every single day. Get on a Bible reading plan somehow. They have these read through the Bible in a year plans. They're very, very helpful. It's very simple, but it's very helpful to keep on track in reading the Word of God. This will become like first nature to you. This is where we're going, church. This is who we are. This is what we do. Reading your words is going to become first nature to you. Going to the Word when you have a question, it's going to become first nature to you. It's not going to be something where you've gone to everybody on Facebook, you've gone to everybody on Twitter, you've called everyone in your phone book. You're going to start by going, what does the word say? What does the word say? 
This is who we are. This is what we do. You see, now when we invite Orlando to come to church with us, we know who we are, and they're going to become like you. Lovers of the Word of God. Lovers of the Word of God. Are you excited about it? All right, so let's get into the Bible today. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Matthew. We're going to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew's in the New Testament. If you're new to your Bibles, you can look in the table of contents. I encourage you to do that. The Bible is broken into books, chapters, and verses. So you go to the book name, the chapter, and then a verse. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Have you found it? Well, my voice just cracked. Finally, my voice is changing. I'm becoming a, a real boy. All right. Jesus speaking, he says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house upon solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings, and your Bible may say, hears my words, Anyone who hears my word or hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So what Jesus is saying in this in particular passage is he's saying those who build their life upon my word is like building a house on a rock. So we have up here two illustrations. We have a set of rocks and we have sand. And Jesus is saying, if you take my word and my teachings and you hold on to them and you go to them and you, be, and you obey them, your life will be stable and strong and you will be built on bedrock. But there's a whole group of people that choose to build their life on sand. What is sand? Sand, I don't know if the video camera can get a little closer. Sand is like all the opinions that people have on your life. This is your friend's opinions on what's going on right now and how you should live, how you should speak, how you should talk. This is Facebook right now telling you what to believe, what your emotions should believe. Come on now. Where every day, is it a good day or a bad day? Let's ask Facebook. You tell, you, this is the world though, come on now. You know people at work right now that they're going to have a good day or bad day based on what CNN says. You are setting yourself up for a life on the sand. Come on. You want to know why you feel so unstable right now? Why you feel like you're not growing? Why you feel so fearful? It's because you're building your thoughts, your life, your attitudes, what you expect for the day. Do you know what? You still have covenants of promise no matter what's happening in the world around you. Amen. You are not like the rest of the world. you got to get over this. you got to stop putting yourself in the same category. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. And by the way, you have new and great and precious promises. Amen. The Word of God. Are you hearing me? And Jesus says, my words will build your life upon bedrock. Here's what I love about God's word. He's, he said it and it's not changing. 
what I love, sometimes you ask the people the question, why did the house fall in the parable? Some people might look at it and say, it was the winds, it was the water, it was the rain. But you know, the house didn't fall because of the wind, the water, and the rain. Because the Bible says that the same storm hit both houses. Did you see that in the scripture? Very clear, he says that the waters rose, the rain came, the winds beat against the first house. Use the same language about the second house. But the one built on the word of God stayed strong, stayed standing. Don't blame the storm for the fall. There's, in this life, you will have trouble. Jesus already said that. The world is fallen. The world's in a curse. Stop waiting for the world to get, like, fixed. <laughs> You've been given great and precious promises. You've been given God's word on that subject, on your life. You have covenant promise with God. You have his angels to assist you, his, to, to be uh, ministering spirits to minister to you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit upon the inside of you. We must know what's in this book. Because if you don't know what's there, the devil could steal it from you. This is your covenant. This is, this is your great and precious promises. And the, Jesus said, my people perish. God said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Not for a lack of power. Not for a lack of promise. Not for a lack of authority. But because they didn't know what they had. And they acted like those who were we're built on the sand, but my friend, your life isn't built on the sand. Your life is built on the Word of God. You were born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Amen. Yes, it's going to take some work. As much as I would love for you to hoot and holler and shout, there is a daily discipline in opening your Bible and reading it. There are days where it feels exciting and you're like, wow, that was revelation. That was exciting. And then there's days where you're forcing yourself to stay awake. You're like, really, Pastor Kevin, that happens to you? No, it happens to Maria. I'm always alive. I'm always electric. I'm always full of faith. Can I come to your house for lunch this afternoon by myself? I, I, think, I, just, I think I just uninvited myself to my own family table. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways. Yeah, there's days where you just grab that coffee and you try to stay awake, but you read it and you put it in your spirit and God will begin to speak to you and God will begin to talk to you. And there's times where you don't even know it's in there. You just read it and you went on. But here's what happens. That is spiritual what you're doing. You don't even realize what you've deposited. Come on, into your spirit. And then all of a sudden, six months later, you're going through something and out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit brings something that you didn't even know you paid attention to that you put into your spirit and God brings it out and it becomes the weapon that you needed to keep your faith, to keep your hope, but you did the diligence to put it in. Man, I got ahead of myself. I literally just jumped to the end of my sermon. You got me that excited. So now I'm going to mess up the worship team because this was their cue to come out. And don't come out yet because I just got excited. John chapter 14. Worship team, don't come out. Stay back there. John chapter 14. Look at this. John chapter 14, verse 23. Da, 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 da. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. He will come and make, we will come and make our home with each of them. Uh, anyone who doesn't love me 
will not obey me, talking about his word, and remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Write this in your notes. Your brain is like a bank, like a little piggy bank. And so what Jesus is saying is you take my words and you store it into your spirit, you store it into your heart, and the Holy Spirit will come and he will remind you of what you need in the moment that you need it. But here's the thing. How can he remind you of it if you've never heard it? It's like trying to make a withdrawal in a bank account that you've never put any money in. So this daily discipline of reading your Bible, you might think it's not making a difference. My friend, it is making a difference. You are sowing God's very own thoughts, God's faith, God's hope, God's promise, God's commands into your spirit. And even if you humanly cannot remember it, it's in your spirit so the Holy Spirit has the ability to draw it out when he needs. He knows it's in there. Do you see this? And so you put this, it's called logos, you put this knowledge of God's word into your spirit, into your soul consistently. And then when God needs to pull out a rhema, which is a, this aha moment, this, the word of God comes alive for a moment, for a reason. God begins to pull a verse out in the moment of need. And what's cool is that verse then produces the faith you need in that trouble. It's not you sitting there saying, oh, I got to build myself up. I got to find faith. The word of God comes forward and there's a promise that anchors your faith. There's a promise that produces the faith you need in the middle of that trouble because the Holy Spirit brings a promise up out of your spirit. And he begins to say, this is God's word to you in your situation right now. And he pulls it out of that Bible reading time or times you were sitting under the scriptures like even here to this morning. And you'll remember a message like this and you'll remember the house on the rock and all these things. And the Holy Spirit will take that up and he'll build faith and produce faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So as the word of God is being brought up into your spirit and you're hearing it again, faith rises. So it's not you trying to create faith. The word is producing the faith. And now your faith has an anchor. Your faith is not on your emotions or not. It's something that the Holy Spirit's saying, here's the promise for your problem. Do you see that? You are a word of God church. Calvary Orlando, I declare over you, you are a word of God church. You are a word of God church. We love this word. And so you put the, put the money in the bank, put the money in the bank with your daily reading, with your daily reading, and then the Holy Spirit pulls it out when you need it most. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 16. Let's talk about the value of the Word of God, how it's useful in our lives. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. Have you found it? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The King James says, trains you in righteousness. God uses this word. He uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So as you're reading this Bible, I want us to see the relationship we have with the Word of God, that it's, 
It's not just about daily devotions. It's not just learning information about historical characters or just teachings or lessons or parables, that God is doing something inside of you. He's, he's renewing your mind. He's teaching you how to live as a kingdom citizen. See, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we lived in the world. We lived in darkness. We didn't know God's kingdom. It's kind of like when you go to a new culture or a new country, you have to learn the language. You have to learn the customs. You have to learn the laws. You have to learn how things work. The kingdom of God has culture to it. It has a language to it. It has a legal system to it. Are you understanding this? It has certain protocols to it. It has certain behavior to it. And we begin to grow and learn what we've now been born into. That's great. That is not to intimidate you. That is not to embarrass you. See, like some of this language in here where it says inspired by God, useful to teach, what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Listen, sometimes people have the wrong lenses on when they're reading their Bible. They have this shame and guilt lens on. And so when God's word, like a mirror, begins to point things out that are out of alignment, they begin to go back to this lie of shame or guilt or God doesn't love me or I'm not good enough. And so even the Bible can feel like condemnation but what it's actually trying to do is tell you what you're capable of. So you're taking it as judgment and condemnation. What God is telling you is that old life doesn't fit on you anymore. Let me tell you what you're capable of. You are capable of coming out of that sin pattern. You are capable of coming out of that addiction. You are capable of coming out of those old lower levels, those old lower attitudes and functions. So when you read it with condemnation eyes, you're like, you're right, you're right, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm not good enough, I'm still just the same old, look, you're right, God, I'm, I'm out of alignment, I'm out of alignment. The Bible's not trying to keep you out of alignment, the Bible's trying to show you what's possible. It's trying to grow you into alignment. You see what I'm saying? Like when the, when the chiropractor looks at you and says your back's out of alignment, he's not condemning you. He's showing you the problem to do this. So when you see something in the word that's out of alignment in your life, don't let it become judgment. Don't let the devil beat you up. Don't let the devil put you back under the law. You know what I'm saying? That you see it and you say, God, I saw something in scripture that my life's out of alignment. I ask for forgiveness and I bring myself back into alignment with that. I, it's possible for me. I embrace that. I don't look at the word. Don't let the word of God sit there because it's... How you read it's gonna affect you, my friend. And certain people have not been taught well how to read this book. And they've used this book. I asked the Lord about it one time because people read the Bible and they see all these things that they're not. Actually, the way the Holy Spirit said it to me, he said, this may not make sense to you, but God talks to me this way, okay? He said, sometimes people read the Bible the way women read fashion magazines. And I was curious of like, what does that mean? Go ahead, God, finish that statement. Sometimes when a lady, and I don't know, I've never been a lady, so I'm saying sometimes my assumption, this is an assumption, when a lady reads a fashion magazine, she looks at someone in that magazine, and she judges herself against what she believes she's not. She opens that magazine, oh, my, my skin doesn't look like her skin, or my hair doesn't do what her hair does, or uh, she looks this way and not. You see what I'm saying? It, they see it, and when they see the image, they judge themselves of how 
bad they are on that image. The image doesn't bring life to them. Does that make sense? And the finishing of the statement, he said, in my spirit, he said, Kevin, he said, how could the Bible make you believe all the things you are not when it's written by the great I am? It's not the great you are not, it's the great I am. And he's the God of your life. And the great I am is writing all you can be and all he's going to make you to be. So when you read it, because of Jesus, you can say, I am. Does this make sense? Because he's the head, you're his body. And so it's, I am victorious over sin. I am alive unto God. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. You see what I'm saying? I am going to live forever with Jesus in eternity. I am. It's not all the things you are not. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not powerful enough. Look, you have God in you now. You see what I'm saying? So now you're finding out all you are capable of. So the training and the correction and leading you in righteousness is not meant to condemn you. It's meant to show you what's possible. So now I don't sit there and read it with a filter of judgment and condemnation. So now when I do get rebuked, when I do get aligned, it's about me getting better and being more of who I am, stepping into my identity as a child of God, stepping into my identity as the body of Christ, rather than taking it on, oh, I'm still not good enough, I'm still failing. That's why sometimes it can get tiring how some, the way some people read the Bible can be so tiring because every time they walk away from it, they think they've got to fix something else. Is this too honest right now? Is this too real? They walk away saying, there's something else I'm not good enough at. And they're already feeling like a failure in this area, in this area, in this area. That word is not meant to make you feel like a failure. If you're feeling like a failure when you walk away, you're reading it wrong. You have God himself, the Holy Spirit, helping you to do every single thing that God is talking to you about. The Bible says that he both helps you will and do his good pleasure. Hopefully you feel loved right now. Hopefully you feel like God is for you right now. If God wasn't for you, he would have let you die and go to hell, but he didn't. He came personally, died on a cross for you, took on death, hell, and the grave. If God didn't want you with him, he didn't have to come, but he came. Amen. This is why we love the word of God. I love it because it says it shows us what is true. The scripture is inspired by God, useful to teach us what is true. We're in a world full of lies. We're in a world full of people's opinions. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yes, amen. Do not settle for your life to being built on everybody else's opinion about you. Everybody else's opinion about this world. Everyone else's opinion about the church. You know, there's people in this world right now who'll tell you the church, the church is, is going out of style, the church is losing relevance, the church is whatever. I'm going to tell you what God said. The God, Jesus said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my church is a rock and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this church. So I've, I already know the end of the story, right? But all these opinions, all these movie stars, all these public figures are going to tell you that church is unnecessary, church is irrelevant, but we're not going anywhere, my friend. The only way we're getting out of here is God takes us out through a rapture. The devil doesn't push us out. The devil doesn't push us out. Amen. Anyway, I get sidetracked on that. I just got to... All right. 
useful in training and development. You gotta, you gotta, we must be trained. Even, even athletes born with natural talent must train. Training doesn't make you weak. It makes you better. Come on. The need for training. That's why you have to submit to training. You may have been a Christian for 50 years. Submit to development. Submit to more training. Let the Word of God keep training you. The Word of God is useful for development and training. Just write these verses down. 1 Peter 2.2 2 and Hebrews 5.13. You can look them up later for sake of time. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, calls the Word of God pure spiritual milk. Write that down. Pure spiritual milk. There's nothing wrong with needing pure spiritual milk for a time. It's supposed to, you're supposed to be able to absorb that scripture and it's going to nourish you as a newfound Christian, a new believer in Jesus. That's what I'm saying. That word of God is food. Your spirit will not grow. It will die on the vine without that word of God. It is pure spiritual milk and you need to drink as much as you can. But then Hebrews 5.5 5 calls the word of God solid food, meat. What I love about the Bible is I believe the Bible is a lot like a swimming pool where there's room for everyone in the pool. If you're just getting in the pool, there's a, there's a shallower side and you can enjoy the pool. But then you can swim all over into the deep end and you can do more in the deep end. The Bible is simple enough for anyone to understand, but it's complex enough, full of revelation enough that you could be serving God for 200 years. You'll open that Bible again and it'll still blow you away. It'll still challenge you. It'll still, your, your spirit will still come alive. There's times I still read. I've been reading the Bible for over 20 years and I'll be like, woo! You just blew my mind again. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. You're never going to outgrow the need for the Word of God. And as long as the Holy Spirit's with you as you're reading it, you're letting the Holy Spirit talk to you, it's always interesting. You'll never, you'll never just, if you get to the place where you're like, oh, I've heard it all before, you just stop listening. You haven't heard it all before. This, this Word endures forever. It's always fresh. It's always new. It's always alive. It doesn't die. If we let our spiritual man start dying, then you start accusing the word of dying, but it's not the word that died. It's because you've cut off the flow of it. Does that make sense? It is pure milk. It is solid food. Here's where I want to, so number one, God's word is useful for training. Number two, God's word is useful for battle. God's word is useful for battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 from the Amplified Bible. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. Now, I know some translations read it, the sword of the Spirit, but I love how the Amplified flips it a little bit. Because you look at it like a sword that's a spiritual sword. But I love the Amplified says it's the sword the Spirit wields. What does that mean? It means the Word of God is the weapon of choice for the Holy Ghost. He could choose all kinds of things. But what does the Holy Spirit choose to use as a weapon? The Word of God. 
So why would you choose any other thing? Why would you look for any other weapon? If God's own spirit says, I will battle, I will do battle with the enemy, I will do battle with the generation, I will do battle with the mindsets, I will do battle with the chains on people's life, I will do battle with the word. I will use the word. Then, my friends, we need to choose the same weapon. The sword that the spirit wields. And we must learn how to wield that sword. Come on. You ever play sticks as a kid, like swords and sticks? Samurais, knights of the round table. Come on, Jedi knights, anybody? Am I the only one? But you have to learn how to use it, right? Don't just assume. And we use the word in battle by speaking it. It's real simple. Come on. You know, you don't... (laughs) You don't wield the sword of the Spirit by doing this when you're praying. Come on. How do I wield it, Pastor Kevin? How do I use the sword, Pastor Kevin? I'm praying and I'm whacking the devil in the head when I'm praying. You wield the sword by speaking it. The enemy comes in and you declare the word. Fear comes in and you declare the word. Trouble comes in and you declare the word. We have to start, write this down, unsheathing the sword of the spirit in our lives. Start declaring, start speaking. But how can you declare it and speak it if you haven't hit it in your heart? Become comfortable with it. I hear all these snickers behind the stage. These guys are cracking up back here. We caught you. Caught you back there. Are you understanding this? You must unsheath the sword. You gotta speak. You gotta declare. You gotta, you gotta let that word fly out of your mouth. You've gotta, you gotta, we have to release that authority, but become comfortable with it. Sometimes, you know, um, what comes out of you, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why it's important that you fill the heart with as much of the word of God as you can so that what pops out when the enemy comes in is God's promise, is God's answer, is God's thoughts, not your thoughts, not their opinion, but what God has already declared. Are you understanding this? And it becomes natural to you, right? In the beginning, it might feel a little forced. It might feel a little like you're making you know, where you have to search or whatever. But I'm telling you, the more you practice it, the more you do it, the more natural it's going to become. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Luke, chapter 4. You're going to see in here Jesus being tempted of the devil for 40 days. In Luke, chapter 4, you're going to see Jesus being tempted of the devil for 40 days. He comes up out of water baptism. He's filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness or into the desert. The end of 40 days without eating or drinking anything, the devil comes in to tempt him. That's the background of this passage of scripture. So the devil does all kinds of things. Verse 
1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. The devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms. I will give you authority of them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, underline that, the first, he said it in the beginning, he said it here, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say that he will order his angels to protect you and guard you and he will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting him, Jesus left him until a more opportune time came. Notice, every time the devil spoke or whispered a temptation to Jesus, he responded with the word says. You don't need to argue with the devil. Don't get into some big old conversation with the devil. You just say the word says. The scripture says this. God's promise is this. Are you hearing me? and you just let yourself hide behind the promise of God. You let yourself be covered by the promises of God. But you have to speak it. Because you don't fight thoughts with thoughts. The devil loves to play with your head. But you fight thoughts with the word of God. Coming out of your mouth. Coming out of your mouth. So when fear is coming in here, Don't try to battle it internally by don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, but rather declare out of your mouth that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can resist the devil right now and you've got to flee from me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus responded by speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, but there is the discipline of hiding the word in your heart like a bank so the Holy Spirit can bring it out when you need it. Amen? But the word is a weapon. The word is our weapon. It's, it's not just, I want to make sure you're hearing me say this, it's not just about morality and living better. If we don't read this Bible and, and, and um, activate our faith in other areas, some people have just been taught to read the Bible like daily devotions. And I'm trying to help you see that there's a value in daily devotions. First of all, Man, there's a lot of stuff I want to tell you. First of all, if you're going to use the word as daily devotions, it's okay to have daily devotions. I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but sometimes daily devotions is like one scripture in like three pages of someone's commentary, and then you close it and you're like, I read the Bible today. I would love to challenge you to read chapters of the Bible, not just one verse and three pages of someone's opinion. Is that okay? Can I say that? Is that okay? I have no problem reading a devotional, but you must feast on the Word of God. You must feast on the Word of God. I also want to challenge you to read the Bible. Uh, If you're new to the Scriptures, I want you to read the New Testament first. I want you to start in the book of Matthew and read those four Gospels first. But I want to challenge some of us to get out of Psalms and Proverbs You've been in Psalms and Proverbs for 47 years. (laughs) There is more to the Word of God than Psalms and Proverbs. There's nothing wrong with, I love Psalms and Proverbs. 
man, you need to get into like Galatians. <laughs> learn about grace. You need to get into Ephesians and learn about how to beat the devil up and give him a black eye. You need to read 1 John, 2 John, anything with the word John on it. Read it. And learn about the love of God, which casts out fear. The one that fears has not been perfected in love. Is this good? Yes. <sighs> I think I'm getting towards the end of this. I know it didn't come off just like a big sermon today, but I had to share. Use the word like a weapon. That's where I was going with that. Like, don't just use your Bible and think about it like just daily devotions. Once you start thinking about it like spiritual food, milk, meat, armory, weaponry, promise. Like, I want us to enjoy it, yes, but it's not just this, like, poetic, like, lovey-dovey book. Though it is. It's got love and doves. It's got it all. <laughs> but I'm just wanting us to move past this, like, surface relationship with the Word of God where it's just like daily devotion. No, this is covenant promise. This is contracts with the Almighty. This is weaponry, you know? Like there's revelation in here. It's worth your time. It's worth the study. If it's just like a cup of tea and, and talking, a little devotion, then, then you feel like it's not very important if you miss it. I'm telling you it's very important when we don't read it. But some of that comes because we don't value what it is. No one ever really explained it to us. You got saved and they handed you one. Amen? Amen. Second Peter verse one through, or verse, chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, tells us that we have great and precious promises in this word. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share the divine nature. So you need these promises to enable you to, to share in the, his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And then one last verse. So worship team, this is your new cue. We'll, we'll secretly, we're working together secretly so the congregation doesn't know we're doing this. Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28 through 29, Amplified Bible. This is what it says. I love this scripture. He who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat for nourishment, says the Lord? Listen to this. Is not my word like a fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test, says the Lord? Is not my word like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. So let's say you're facing opposition. Let's say the devil has put a barrier in your business or a barrier in your, your life or your family or something. And I love this, that the word of God is like a fire and the word of God is like a hammer and it beats against that opposition. It beats against that bad report. It beats against that thing the enemy has set up to stand in your way. Amen. So you keep just speaking the word to it. You just keep declaring God's promise to it. 
You keep talking to that mountain, but don't give it your opinion. Decree God's word over that thing. You see what I'm saying? And that word of God will beat and beat and beat against that blockade, beat against that wall. I heard it said one time, which blow broke the stone? Like you have a hammer and you're like hitting it and hitting it and then finally it breaks. Someone asked the question, which blow broke the stone? And the answer to that question, all of them. It wasn't just the final blow. It was that consistent beating against that opposition, that wall, that rock. And so my friend, that's what I'm telling you to do. You take God's word and you speak it and you speak it. You speak it to that situation. You speak it to that fear. You speak it to that lack. You speak it to that bondage. You speak it to that issue, that problem. And you just keep declaring God's promise and you keep declaring God's promise. And it's like a hammer and it will beat against that opposition and once sooner or later, it will blow it away altogether. But that's you unleashing the sword. That's you using the weaponry. And so that's where we're going as Calvary is as a family of God, we love God's word, but we don't just love it like information. We love it like food. We love it like transformation. We love it like weaponry and gear to succeed and overcome in this world. So go ahead and stand on up, would you please? Let me pray this into your heart this week. Then we're gonna give you opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Let me pray this into your heart. Heavenly Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we open up our hearts, we open up our spirit and our mind. God, we ask you to speak to us about your word. Lord, we ask that you give us a faith for it. We ask that you give us a passion for your word. Lord, the more we read it, the more we love it. I pray, God, that we as a church get into a habit of reading that word every single day. Lord, I ask that you help us to begin speaking that word rather than our opinion rather than other people's opinions. God, we ask that we say what you said. Even when our flesh wants to say something else, God, that we say what you said. So God, we thank you for your word this morning. Open our eyes, give us eyes to see, ears to hear as we read it, God. Take any blinders off. Help us to start reading it with fresh eyes and fresh lenses, God. I pray that today or tomorrow when people make a commitment to say, I'm gonna start reading one chapter a day, whatever their commitment might be, that God, they open that up and you speak to them and their spirit is so full, they walk away like, like their heart is just overflowing. God, you, you, you fulfill this word with signs following immediately. Lord, our church, this house loves the word of God. And we're well-versed, well-trained, comfortable with the word of God. And then we help other people become like us, lovers of God's word. We give you glory, we give you praise. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.